Support for Need to Know comes from the Carnegie Corporation of New York, supporting innovations in education, democratic engagement, and the advancement of international peace and security. Learn more at Carnegie.org. Welcome to the Need to Know podcast from the Wilson Center, a podcast for policymakers available to everyone. Always informative, nonpartisan, and relevant, we go beyond the headlines to understand the trend lines in foreign policy. Welcome back to the Need to Know podcast and welcoming back my friend from the Seattle International Foundation and global fellow Eric Olson, who is a Central America and Latin America expert, and uh, he has been with us for a long time, been on the show before. Eric, welcome back. Hey, thanks, Aaron. I'm always glad to be part of anything you do and the Wilson Center does. Well, I appreciate that. And you always uh, you always have been helpful and Today, I want to try to ground truth on what's going on in Nicaragua. Uh, you know, this is a, a an area that has been of interest to the United States really for, for a while, but with the immigration challenges and migration from Central America, the push factors getting migrants to try to move to the United States. And, and they were mentioned in the... Um, in the Biden speech uh, a couple of months ago to try to try to change some things on the ground there uh, with some foreign assistance. And yet we've got this challenge in Nicaragua. So I think really quickly, just tell us, you know, what, what's been going on on the ground there uh, that has caused the latest crisis. Well, of course there are, are, you know, historic roots. I I won't bore you with all that, but the immediate, uh, trigger, if you will, to the crisis is that there's national elections for president on November the 7th uh, coming up. And the current regime, the Ortega regime run by Daniel Ortega, head of the Sandinistas uh, of 1970s and 80s fame has been in office since 2007 and he's seeking yet another term uh, in office, despite the fact that he's very unpopular the, the public, what little public opinion polls we have uh, suggest that he's not very popular. Uh, and so as the, as the opposition began to come together and began to be more outspoken, uh, he saw a threat uh, to his survivability, his con- con- continuation in power, and began imprisoning uh, all the major political actors, other civil society actors, even some bankers. Uh, and so he's kind of throwing the country under the bus, uh, created a real political crisis there. Uh, of course, it's been going on for a long time, but it's really coming to head over the last month. And I think will persist through the elections and into next year. Tell us what the opposition looked like in Nicaragua prior to this. Was there a, was there a strong opposition? Was there a loyal opposition? What, what did the, op- the, the opposing parties look like? Well, I actually think it was pretty strong and probably one reason that Ortega reacted by imprisoning so many of them. Their, their real challenge, of course, is that uh, they weren't entirely unified. Uh, there were a number of competing forces representing different geographic interests, different economic interests, uh, you know, just various political views from left to right, typical of any country. Uh, 
if they could find unity in one candidate, I think they posed a real threat to Daniel Ortega, even though the electoral system was you know, unfair to the, to the opposition, even though they, the government controlled the process, I still think they could have won. So I think there was good opposition, outspoken opposition, diverse opposition. Uh, the challenge for them was to come together and be unified. But Ortega, fearing that, I think moved against all of them from left, right, in the middle, and uh, has really created a, a, an environment in which there is going to be almost no electoral competition, uh, and he will in all likelihood be ratified for yet another term. So what does that what does that portend for the I mean, you say he, you feel like he's going to win the election. But of course, what other choice? I assume it would probably be a low turnout election unless he's able to marshal forces to make it look good for his side. But what does that portend for the opposition going forward? Do you think they'll be released? Is there, you know, some measure of brutality that's involved here? What What's the what's the process? Well, I'd like to be hopeful that 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 they'll be released at some point sooner rather than later. I'd like to be hopeful that there are still some small but good things that come from the election. Maybe opposition people can win more seats in the legislature. Uh, but I, I frankly have become discouraged by the overall situation. Uh, Ortega has seemed to decide that he doesn't care what the international community says. He doesn't care what people in the country say and has taken these extreme measures. I think going forward, the focus has got to be on, on many of the human rights and democracy issues that he has uh, undermined over the last, not just the last couple of years, but the last decades uh, and beginning to fight and rebuild an opposition um, that can challenge uh, the Ortega Murillos in the long run. Daniel Ortega is reportedly very, you know, ill. He's weak. His wife uh, is the vice president. Some say she runs the country from behind the scenes. Um, she's actually quite a visible person, I should clarify. And she's, you know, the heir apparent uh, to when when Daniel Ortega decides to leave the scene. So. You know, there are some possible opportunities going forward. I think everybody needs to continue to work hard. Uh, the opposition in Nicaragua needs to continue to come together and build what they can under dismal circumstances. And the international community can't give up on Nicaragua. I mean, it's it's been frustrating and disappointing that um, the international community has not come together, uh, you know, prior to this con crisis as much as one would like. The Biden administration has begun to take more serious action. They announced 100, uh, the removal uh, of visas from 100 public people uh, in Nicaragua. Those are all good signs. The European Union is, is using sanctions more. Um, I think that's all great. Might be a little, little too late in this particular process, but let's keep hoping, let's keep working. Uh, on democracy and human rights in Nicaragua. Well, when it comes to the United States involvement, as I mentioned at the top, President Biden has talked about, you know, foreign assistance to go to the Northern Triangle countries to try to help with, you know, the, the crime, corruption, 
situation that's causing people to want to leave those countries and come to the United States and causing a problem at the border. So what, where does it's hard when you have a president in a country that's locking up the opposition to be sending foreign assistance to that country, uh, unsure of where it's going. So what's the, what's the situation for American dollars that are going there and this plan for assistance to try to help with the, the immigration issue? Well, yes, you raise a very good point. And I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken here, even back to the Bush administration, uh, there were very specific decisions not to send any assistance to the Sandinista government. Uh, there may be some small areas where, where that still happens for humanitarian reasons. But in general, U.S. assistance to Nicaragua and the Nicaraguan government in, you know, overall has been you know, minimal over the last 15 years, for sure. Uh, for very for exactly the reasons you point out, nobody wants to prop up this uh, authoritarian, uh, undemocratic government that's violating human rights and civil rights. So there is some aid made available to civil society, but here is the sinister nature of the Ortega regime. They have passed a number of laws that require civil society organizations and independent media, because that's another component, to register as foreign agents uh, if they receive any kind of assistance from internationally, whether it's from private foundations like the one we work, I work with, or the US government, uh, or even in-kind donations. Let's say you're helping people by sending building material or medicines. They're requiring those NGOs to register as foreign agents. And of course, that comes with enormous stigma, uh, con government control. So even the effort to provide assistance uh, to civil society that's independent of the government has been very, very difficult to do. Some of those people arrested, some of those candidates arrested uh, of late have been done, have been arrested because they failed, you know, this is the allegation of the government, they failed to register as foreign agents. Uh, Cristiana uh, Chamorro, who was the leading opposition figure, uh, you know, was the head of a, a family foundation that did enormous humanitarian aid, and yet they were withheld, uh, you know, she was arrested and accused of violating some of these different laws. You know, we heard not too long ago, I guess, in the in the President Biden's speech and some other things that he's talked about, he's talked about the challenges of the region. Of course, right next door, you've got the Northern Triangle with El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua's right in the same neighborhood. And it would seem that, you know, you know, the, the civil society money that we have going in there, the foreign assistance money we have going in there, uh, you know, would have some impact. But what is what is the the challenge that this poses to the Biden administration's idea to push some more foreign assistance in there in order to change some of the push-pull factors that we've seen in migration from the region? Well, I, I think one has to distinguish a little bit Nicaragua from the other Northern Triangle countries in Honduras, Guatemala, and Salvador. Right? Uh, I think the U.S. can play a role by directly supporting civil society in those three countries. There are some limitations there as well, but they can do that. Nicaragua is in a different category because of these laws 
Uh, there's an anti-hate law. So if you're critical of the government, it's a hate crime. You know, there's a, you know, there's a tax on independent media. It really has reduced the areas where the U.S. can, can influence. So I think what the U.S. has done is tried to encourage greater unity amongst the opposition. Uh, you know, some of that's now destroyed by Ortega arresting all the main candidates. But, you know, it's still a useful thing to try to encourage greater unity uh, amongst uh, the opposition in Nicaragua and the people that remain there and are active. I think the U.S. has tried to play a role internationally by getting other, uh, you know, countries in the international community to also be united in its rejection of uh, these, you know, the Ortega regime and what it's doing to democracy and human rights. The U.S. has played a role at the OAS, the Organization of American States, that has called out Nicaragua for its, uh, for its violations of the democratic charter. It's played a role in the EU. Uh, so, you know, there are a number of areas where the U.S. continues to try to do more, to, to, uh, to isolate, to pressure. Obviously, just condemnation by Secretary Blinken and President Biden is useful too. But frankly, you know, those are, those are not probably going to make uh, the Ortegas give up their stranglehold on power. And so uh, we need to think forward about what we can do in the future that kind of erodes their control. So thinking forward, um, you know, and of course, a primary audience for this podcast is congressional staff. What do you see on the horizon that Congress can do that would have some effect here, both in Nicaragua and the wider region, like, as we were just talking about? Well, I think, uh, I think that Nicaragua is, you know, part of Central America. And uh, to the extent that we can encourage other Central American countries to unite in criticism and isolation, Nicaragua is probably a good thing. Um, there's signs that that's beginning to happen. Generally, uh, Honduras, Guatemala, Salvador have been, you know, kind of showing regional solidarity by not opposing another Central American country. I think it's really important that that, you know, be challenged. And I think Congress has a role to play. I think, you know, members of Congress and committees are beginning to look at that uh, as a way to isolate Nicaragua. Um, you know, Nicaragua benefits from the Central America Free Trade Agreements, CAFTA-DR. I think, you know, I, I don't think I would go so far as to propose kind of ripping up CAFTA and, and doing away with it because there are benefits there too. But I think there are ways in which we could integrate uh, more democratic clauses, uh, more, uh, you know, uh, rules-based uh, strategies around trade that um, that they circumvent because of corruption and undemocratic practices in Nicaragua. Uh, so I think there are things that we should begin looking at, and and Congress, frankly, is beginning to look at those things uh, as a way to weaken uh, the lifeline to Ortega in Nicaragua. There's a fine line here. Obviously, none of us want you know, to see Ortega stay on, stay in control. Uh, there's a fear of provoking, you know, economic 
catastrophe uh, and triggering major uh, uh, migration out of the country. I, I agree with that. I don't think anybody wants to trigger uh, a, you know, an economic crisis there. But the country is you know, the, uh, you know, one of the three poorest countries in the region already. Uh, and people are already fleeing. So I think we need to take into account, uh, we don't want to make that worse, but the reality is people are giving up hope and leaving already. So we need to take this very seriously and take as many steps as we can. Certainly, as we've seen, as you were mentioning with, with uh, Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, we've seen what happens when people start fleeing. And that's uh, that's going to be a challenge at our doorstep anyway. So. So this, we're seeing signs of that already happening more and more Nicaraguans. You know, Nicaraguans traditionally have fled to Costa Rica uh, for a whole host of reasons. But now there's growing evidence of Nicaraguans coming into Honduras, joining caravans, and the numbers coming towards the U.S. are, are growing. I don't want to be alarmist. It's not, you know, an avalanche of people. But the reality is it's happening and it's going to happen until this is sort of dealt with. And part of the problem, of course, in addition to all this political stuff, is the way in which the government has handled COVID, which is to be in denial. Uh, you know, I haven't looked real recently, but up until a month ago, they said no one had died from COVID. Well, it's just not, you know, it's not credible. And so, you know, there's not a lot of real information about and people are desperate because of it well i appreciate the the insight into this and as it develops i think we'll we we know who to call on for further information on this we appreciate all the expertise that you give us on central america and that you came on again thanks aaron you know where to reach me i'm always happy to be part of it